Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, I ask you to turn the Old Testament to Psalm 19. To Psalm 19. I thought it appropriate that we take a break from our study through the book of Philippians to speak really about the Word of God, to speak about the sufficiency of Scripture. Especially in light of the presentation that we have heard here this morning from Brother Richard who came and shared with us, as we said a moment ago, of the powerful testimony of God's Word and how it changed, changing lives throughout the world through the ministry of the Gideons. I also thought it appropriate for us to spend some time thinking about God's Word because even as Brother Kurt was praying a moment ago in our offertory prayer. We are living in a world that is lost, it's hurting, it's struggling. It's looking just about anywhere for answers to life. And of course we know that those answers are found in one place. They're found in God's Word. You think about our society today... And the recent events that have unfolded with another school shooting taking place. If you listen to the news, if you listen to the different programs, they're searching for the answers to these types of events. They're looking again to anyone and to everyone except to God. Except to the right place. And it's interesting when you think about it as our society has sadly moved away from God as God's word has been pushed out more from the public arena, as even God himself being mentioned is being pushed out, the very answers that are there is the very answers that the world is refusing to listen to, refusing to look to. But I also want to encourage us even as believers that as you go through trials and tribulations in your life, as you go through tough decisions, tough times, and you're looking for wisdom, you're looking for answers, I want to encourage you as we're going to look here at Psalm 19 and we're going to look at verses 7 through 14, where God's word tells us clearly that it has the answers for us. And we're going to see it in the features of God's word that are presented to us here. Follow along with me. As I read beginning in verse 7, where it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true, they are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, our focus this morning as we're going to look at this passage is going to really be on those first verses where it's 
describing to us the Word of God. It describes it to us in different ways, but as we look at each of these characteristics of God's Word, again, I want it to serve as a motivation for you to support those that are helping to get the Word of God out. I want it to serve as a motivation for you to spend time in God's Word, be committed to hearing the preaching and the teaching of God's Word, be committed to reading and studying God's Word on your own, especially in light of what we're going to discover here today about some of the characteristics of God's Word. And let's look at the first one this morning. The first feature, the first characteristic of God's Word, of the Scriptures that we find here, is found there in verse 7 that teaches us that God's Word is comprehensive. It is comprehensive. Notice what he says there in verse 7, the law of the Lord. Now that phrase there, the law of the Lord, is really referring to the whole of God's Word. All of God's Word is addressing, that addresses our being. It addresses our beliefs. It addresses our behavior. And notice what it says. It says the law of the Lord is perfect. And that word there for perfect speaks of God's Word being complete. It is sufficient. It is comprehensive. Thus, all of our spiritual needs are covered in the Word of God. There is no need spiritually that we have that you can't turn to the Bible and the Bible is going to tell you about it. It's going to teach you about it. It's going to instruct you about it. We have in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we have all that we need in God's Word. God's Word is sufficient. It is sufficient to see people saved and it is sufficient to see people sanctified and living their life the way God intended for them to live it. You see, when we say that God's Word here, the law of the Lord is perfect, that is, it is complete, it is comprehensive, thus there will not be an updated version to the original manuscripts of God's Word. That we have no need of a Book of Mormon, we have no need of the Quran, we have no need of that. All we need is in this book that I'm holding, the book that you're holding, that you're reading, it is sufficient. It is comprehensive. If you go to the end of, the, of your Bible and you look there in Revelation 22, when the Bible closes out with the book of Revelation, remember what Jesus was telling John there, and he's talking, when John's writing there, and he says in this book, this is referring to the book of Revelation, but I think even by implication it's referring to all of the scriptures, he says it's finished. That is, don't add to this book and don't subtract from this book. You have what you need here in the Word of God. It's comprehensive. And that is encouraging to know that the book that you own, the book that you have there is comprehensive. It is sufficient. But secondly, look at another feature of God's Word. It's not just comprehensive, it is also certain. Notice he says there the second part of verse 7. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. That phrase there, the testimony of the Lord, again is making a reference to all of God's word. But here it's speaking about what the Bible 
teaches, what the Bible testifies to, what the Bible witnesses to, what the Bible communicates. And notice it says that the testimony of the Lord is sure. And that word there for sure means it is certain, it is settled, it is trustworthy. You see, the message, the meaning of the Bible does not change. It does not move. It does not shift with the times. What it meant when it was written, it still means today. What we have here in the Bible is truth. It's not theory. It's not speculation. It is truth. Thus, it doesn't change with the culture. It doesn't change with our experiences. You see, brother, this is very important that we recognize that the God's Word, the Bible that you have and that you have in your hands, you have in your home, that you have access to every day, that you know that what it says, what it testifies to is certain. Because we're living in a day and time where we're seeing some of the most fundamental aspects of our society shifting. I mean, if you think about the, the, the subject of marriage... Marriage in our nation has shifted so far in the courts, in our culture, that now they have totally redefined marriage. But God's Word hasn't shifted on that subject. It's still certain. It's still settled. It's still trustworthy. Even the most fundamental issue, I imagine... Ten years ago, if I would have said there were going to be discussions about the issue of a person's gender, you would have thought, what are you talking about? That is so simple. That is so straightforward. There's no questions about that. But in the day and time in which we live, that is now in question. That is now shifting and moving as though that is now up for discussion. It's up for debate or it's not even up for debate. It's up to the person themselves to now determine what gender they're going to be. And you say, what's happening with that? Well, it's because our world and our society is moving further away from the authority of God's Word and they're moving towards the wisdom of the world. Because here's what the wisdom of the world says to say about that issue. Just using this as an example of helping us to see how God's Word is certain and it doesn't move, it's settled. Because see, what the wisdom of the world says is You have your personal feelings and you have your personal features. Or you want to say you have your personal desires and you have your physical design. And when somebody says my feelings, my personal feelings and my personal desires don't seem to line up with my physical design and my physical features... And what the wisdom of the world says is, well, then what needs to change for you is your features. And what needs to change for you is your physical design. That's what the wisdom of the world says. But what the wisdom of God's Word says, no. The Bible says you don't need to go changing your physical design or your physical features. You need to change your feelings. You need to change your desires. You need to have a heart transplant. Something take place on the inside of you. That's what needs to change. See, God's Word is certain about this. Thus, as we speak from God's Word, you need to speak with confidence and with authority. As you make decisions in your life, 
And you make those decisions based on the teachings and the testimony of God's Word. You can do it with confidence because God's Word is trustworthy. It is settled. It is certain. But thirdly, look down, if you will, in verse 8. And even all the way down into verse 9. Verse 8, it says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And then the last part of verse 9, it says, The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. I put those two together because they're teaching the same truth. And it's teaching that the Word of God isn't just comprehensive. It isn't just certain, but it is correct. What it says in regards to the precepts of the Lord and the judgments of the Lord, and maybe another way for you to think about it is this. God's perspective and God's principles on a subject are always correct. They're always right. They're always true. So when you're looking for direction in your life, you can think about what it says in Psalm 119 and verse 105 when it says, Your word, God's word, is a lamp to my feet and it is a light to my path. When we're wanting to understand, when I say doctrine, by that I mean doctrine, if you just want to understand man and mankind and God and who God is, The only way you're going to have the correct understanding about mankind, the only way you're going to have a correct understanding about God, the only way you're going to have a correct understanding about these different issues we're talking about is to go to God's Word because His perspective, His judgments, His principles, His precepts are altogether true. They're always right. So if you're ever listening to a discussion take place, whether it's in person or you're listening to it on the television on a program and there's one person on there that's actually using the Word of God as their authority and they're using it rightly, then you can be assured what they're saying is correct and what the other person's saying is not. Now you need to test what you hear. Test what you hear by God's Word. We need to be just like the Bereans were over in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 17, when the Apostle Paul, I mean, if they're testing the Apostle Paul, then we should test anyone and everyone. When Paul came in preaching, those Bereans went and examined everything that they heard from him according to the Word of God. Why would they do that? Because they knew whatever he said, if it's correct, it's going to line up with the Bible. That's what he knew. And that's what they knew. Now, we can interpret God's word wrongly, but what the Bible actually says is always right. It's always true. It's always correct. So we have a book, this book that you have before you, that when you're wanting to deal with with things in your life, you know it is comprehensive. It is complete. It is sufficient. You know that. You know that it is certain. You know that it is correct. But let me share one other, another principle with you, another feature about the Word of God. You look again carefully there, go back to verse 8. And it says, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. 
the commandment of the Lord, the standards, the expectations that come from the Word of God. What God is trying to communicate to man. He says it's pure. And by pure there, the feature, the way I want you to understand that feature is to understand that the Bible is clear. There is clarity to the Word of God. Now he's not saying that we don't need the Spirit of God to help us to understand what the Bible is teaching. But when I'm saying when the Bible is clear, I'm saying this, the Bible isn't a book of codes that has to be somehow discovered or decoded. There aren't hidden messages in the Bible. There aren't Bible codes. There aren't mysteries and mystical hidden messages that are there. The Bible is clear and understandable. Look, this is why we teach it to our children. This is why we teach it to our children in Sunday school and discipleship training and on Wednesday nights. Why? Because the Bible is clear and it is something they can understand. Now, yes, can we struggle at times to understand certain texts of Scripture? Yes. Some things are more difficult than others. I mean, even... Peter made a comment about some of the things that Paul was writing that were more difficult to understand. Not only that, we recognize as we read God's word, we want to read it to interpret it in a, in a particular way, of, in a grammatical, historical way. And when we think about the historical context of what we're reading at times, I mean, we're thousands of years away from that. And trying to understand the historical context can make it sometimes a little more difficult to, to rightly understand it. And yes, not only that, when you read God's Word, it is progressive in nature, it's progressive in its revelation. That is, when I read in Genesis chapter 3, and I read when God said to, to the man and the woman that was there in the garden, and he's speaking to the woman, and he says, uh, that I'm going to provide a, a seed, a seed of the woman. Well, if, if that's all you've ever read of the Bible... You can read that and maybe understand, okay, there's someone, there's someone coming, the seed of the woman. You don't fully understand all of that. As you keep going in God's word, you begin to realize eventually who is that? That person is Jesus Christ. He's the seed of the woman that's going to come and bring the victory over the serpent, over the devil through his work on the cross. So God's word is progressive. Going from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But even, beloved, in the Old Testament, that, see, the issue is not the clarity of God's Word. The issue when we struggle sometimes with God's Word and understanding it is our own biases that we may have, just our own sinfulness, our own slowness to believe it. Do you remember what Jesus said to the two men he was walking with on the road to Emmaus? And they're walking along and they're, they're, they're just like, Jesus is asking them a question like, what's going on? Why are you guys uh, acting like this? And they're like, don't you know what's going on here? They put to death Jesus. And, and we thought he was the one. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was going to bring in the kingdom. We thought all of these things. And Jesus, standing there walking with these guys, had heard about all he could hear from them. And he just turns to him and says, oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe. All that the prophets had to say. You see, they had believed some of it, but they hadn't believed all of it. But he wasn't condemning the word of God. It wasn't the Bible's problem. It was their problem. 
They were slow of heart to believe what God had already said in the Word of God. And what did Jesus do? Jesus gave them the best Old Testament Bible study anyone has ever listened to. He took them back to Moses, which means he took them back to Genesis. Because Moses, the law of Moses is the first five books of the Bible. And he said from Moses to the prophets, he explained to them all of what the scriptures had to teach about him, Jesus, the Messiah. It was already there. The word of God was clear. And the word of God is clear. You can summarize it in some ways this. The word of God is clear that God is our creator. And that we're part of his creation. The word of God is clear that we sinned and rebelled and have gone against God. The word of God is clear that the only hope for man to be reconciled to God is through his son, Jesus Christ, the son of God, who he sent into this world to come and to live a life without sin, to go to a cross where he would give up his life and earn that there on the cross be the sin bearer taking our sins upon himself and God declaring that he was pleased with what he did not only in his life but in his death on the cross for our sins why? because he raised him from the dead on the third day declaring there is victory there's victory over sin there's victory over Satan there's victory for the person who will put their faith in Christ God's word is clear God's word is clear that his standard is perfection God's word is clear none of us can meet that standard God's word is clear. He sent his son to meet that standard. And that now those who put their faith in his son have that given to them and forgiven of their sins and have life eternal with him. God's word has clarity. It's understandable. But let me share another feature with you this morning. God's word is also what I call clean. And by clean, I mean it is without error. You see, this is why when you pick up the Bible, you know that when you read something, that it is certain and it is correct because it is clean. It is not tainted with sin. It's not tainted with error in any way. You go back to Psalm 19. And notice again what it says there in the first part of verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean. It's clean. That idea of clean there is speaking of being without error. There are no mistakes. And when God had the original manuscripts and what they were given, they, they were, it was not tainted by sin. Yes, it was men that God was using to write down his words. I mean, Peter wrote First Peter. He wrote Second Peter. Matthew wrote the Gospel of Matthew. Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelation. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote the 13 epistles that we have there. Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark. But though those men wrote that, they wrote that according to what the Bible teaches by the inspiration of the Spirit of God. God's Spirit inspired them. He moved them to write using those men's vocabulary, their understanding, their abilities to write. He used them to write down the, every single word that he wanted written, every single phrase, every single concept, every single principle. God was the one behind the book, the Word of God. That's why there's no other book 
on the face of the earth that can claim that. There's no other book that can truly claim that it is clean. Because this book is the only one that was inspired and moved the men to write it by God himself. So it's true. It's clean. It's clear. It's certain. It's correct. It's comprehensive. But one final feature this morning. I want you to go back to that verse there. And I want you to look at the very last little phrase there in the opening part of verse 9 when it talks about that the word of God endures forever. And by that I want you to see that it is also continual. And by enduring forever, what, what it's saying is, is that the Bible is always relevant. Amen. See, some are going to say the Bible's outdated. That we progress beyond it. And I've said this to you before, I'm going to say it again today, and I'll say it again to you in the future, because we are bombarded with this over and over again, where our society and the wisdom of the world wants to tell us that we have progressed. We progressed in our thinking, we progressed in our understanding of things. Thus, some of the things that the Bible teaches are outdated. They're not accurate, they're not right anymore. And when you hear that, I always want your mind to go back to Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, it's where the Apostle Paul is laying out there what unbelieving mankind does. Mankind wants to suppress the truth about God. And how he does that is he wants to keep the truth out of the courtroom of his mind. And what he wants to do is then exchange lies for the truth. And he calls that progress. Okay? So that's what you're going to hear often. And just remember what Jesus said. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will not pass away. It will stand forever. And why this is so important. This is critical to understand this, that the word of God is continual. That means it goes from generation to generation. It's still as important, it's still as relevant, it's still as correct, it's still as accurate from generation to generation. Thus, even in our own church, whether it's in a senior adult class, we want to teach the Bible. Why? Because it is relevant. In our nursery, we want to have the Bible. Why? Because it's relevant. It continues from generation to generation, and to say it continues forever also, by implication means, whatever culture you may find yourself in, or a person is born born in or raised in, it doesn't matter. God's word cuts across cultural boundaries. It's not hemmed in. See, that's why they're talking about getting the word of God out to all the different places because the Bible is has the power of God behind it in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it cuts across those lines. It's interesting, you go sometimes, and here over the last several months, I was watching this documentary on these missionaries, and they went into this particular area where the gospel had never been, the Bible had never been. And it was a corrupt area. They were living by their own... um, 
false religion, uh, their own ideas and their own voodoo and all the stuff that was going on there. They had never heard a Bible, heard of a Bible, never read a Bible, never had anybody tell them anything about a Bible. And these men show up uh, with their wives there and they're there and they begin to learn the language of these people. And after they learn the language of these people, they began to teach them the Bible. And after week after week, after month after month, they taught them the Word of God. And all of a sudden you see this eruption in this village as they're all sitting around listening to the Bible and then not only that they, they had a, a little video recorder there that they provided and they were they just wanted to hear it and hear what it had to say and through the word of God when it got there in this dark area when the light came to shine, this village just erupted with, we believe, we believe, we believe in him, we believe in Christ. And this is because you can take the word of God, beloved, you can preach the Bible here in Gina, Louisiana, and you can take it over into the unknown parts of the world and preach the same sermons, the same Bible. And God's word is the light that shines in the darkness of their heart and they can come to know Christ. God's word is continual. So, beloved, may that serve as a motivation. A motivation for you to study the word of God. You would, just think about what we just learned. You, you know that you have a book that travels anywhere. And you know you have a book that every time you open it and whatever you open it to turn to talk to someone about, it's clean, it's correct, it's certain, it is comprehensive. It is all those things. So you don't have to shy away from it. Love it, read it, study it, share it, and support the advancement of it which we're going to have a chance to do here in just a moment as we give to to support the the Gideons and their getting out of the word of God so beloved look to God and his word trust him I want to ask you to bow your head in prayer for a moment